And now, Truckers Radio USA presents... Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! Where are their pants? The Derriers! Oh, yeah! The Derriers! Two amazing brothers boldly exploring the universe of music in the Americana Roadshow. The Derriers are Kansas City's dubious backup specialists. Elvis had the Jordanaires. These are the Derriers. Rhythm guitar, bass, and harmony vocals. Please welcome Leo and Roger Eilts, the Derriers. Welcome to the Americana Roadshow right here on Truckers Radio USA. I'm Roger Isles. I'm Leo Isles. And we are the Derriers. We're coming to you every week just picking up music as we drive back and forth across the country in our old RV. That's right. And, you know, uh, people ask us, they say, Derriers, exactly what is Americana music? Well, it has many definitions, but we, we like ours most. Well, we, we like to say that it's music that has distinctive American roots. Exactly. That can be traced back to American roots. And that leaves us a pretty broad palette to choose from. Well, sure. It could be bluegrass. It could be soul. It could be opera. It could be rhythm and blues. It could be rap. It could be classical. It could be old-timey. It could be, did we say country? Not yet. Okay. But it could be rockabilly. It, it could be rockabilly. Yeah. It could be swing. It could be rhythm and blues. It could be any of those things and more that we That's haven't right. even thought. It could be jug band. I, I mean, guess we should stop. We should stop. Okay. And the format of the show is that each week, each of us shows up with a fistful of tunes that we have not disclosed to the other, and we parse them out one at a time. And, exactly. And we also take turns starting the show. And Leo, I believe it's your turn to start this week. I am going to feature, just to kick things off, get things off to kind of a, a good start here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am going to uh, feature an artist. His, his given name is Richard Anthony Monsoor. He was born in Bast, uh, Boston, Massachusetts in uh, May of 1937. And uh, he's better known uh, as Dick Dale. A man with two first names. <laughs> a man with two first names. Yeah. What a, what a, a guitar player. The oh, guy, heck yeah. It's really interesting. He's, uh, his, his ancestry is actually Polish and Belarusian uh, from his mother and father's side. But anyway, he, he was, uh, they moved to uh, Quincy, Massachusetts, and he learned to play piano when he was nine years old uh, after listening to his aunt playing it. And he was given a trumpet in seventh grade. <laughs> Wow. And later, now this, this is what gets interesting. He acquired an ukulele for $6 uh, after becoming influenced by Hank Williams. Oh, my. So now he's on a roll. Yeah. We'll get to that surfing thing here in a minute. <laughs> uh, the first thing, song he played on the ukulele was Tennessee Waltz, is, is what they say. Anyway, he bought a, guy, a guitar from a guy for $8. Now, because uh, the thing is, the problem was he, he had a tendency to play the guitar left-handed, right? Okay. Okay, so Jimi Hendrix was like that, too, right? right? Except yeah. Jimi Hendrix re-strung his guitar. Dick Dale didn't. Oh, my. So just imagine you take, if you're a guitar player, you flip the thing over in front, and now when you're hitting those notes, you're hitting the high ones first, you know? Right. Well, that accounts for a lot of his sound. Okay, sure. That he got that heavy, yeah. you know, staccato, yeah. heavy, trebly kind of staccato sound and everything. Sure. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, he did that for his entire career, and then he just went on to start developing this this crazy, you know, surf-style music. And he pretty much was the father of what they call hard rock now. Okay, sure. Because of the way he played. The problem was he kept blowing up amplifiers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, so he actually, Leo Fender... Uh, went out to, they'd heard about him playing and they went out to see him one night 
And uh, he, he, he was blowing the speakers because he was trying to play louder than the audience, you know. Okay. So Leo Fender built a special amplifier for him with a big 15-inch speaker in it. And that became a, a signature amplifier that Fender made all those years. Okay. So sure. now you know a little background about this guy. Yeah. Uh, this particular song is a, it comes from a, a, a movie called A Swingin' Affair from 1963. <laughs> blood pumping nothing will oh heck yeah i got so excited i forgot to mention the name of the song it's oh yeah a, it's actually called miser lou oh yeah yeah from that great film from 1963 so there you go great pick leo good way to get us started well let's get going you know when i started looking into um uh, what to do this week i realized we have not featured bob wills yet i think you're correct and so i started looking and man i ran into something really cool okay and it's it's the uh, Tiffany transcriptions. Oh, I've heard of these. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the first thing to, to know is that they were never officially called the Tiffany transcriptions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they were recorded in 1946 and 47, and they were produced by the Tiffany Music Incorporated uh, out in Oakland, California. But everybody called them that. And for years... Uh, there, there were copies, you know, poorly dubbed cassettes and stuff like that went around. Right. Um, but it, it was formed sometime in 1945 by Bob Wills, songwriter Cliff Sundin, and radio personality Clifton Johnson. And the idea was to create a transcribed Bob Wills radio show that could be syndicated to radio stations all across America. Okay, sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they would be supplied on 16-inch tra- transcription discs, yep. which is what they used, and, uh, and then they'd send them out. So uh, there were probably 13 or 14 sessions done. 
um, there were three hundred no four hundred fifty eight individual tracks. Wow. You know, some of them were false starts and stuff. Sure. Of there, there were three hundred sixty of them were complete takes, and at a, they were two hundred thirteen of them were issued on the original twenty six transcription discs. It's easy for you to say. No, not really. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they uh, this is it was really interesting. They were not meant to be played all the way through. And in fact, it was impossible to do so since there was a lock groove at the end of each song, so it would not track to the next song. Oh, really? Yeah. So the idea was they would be supplied along with a script called a continuity. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then the radio station would have a local announcer host the show, read the continuity, and then play the song indicated by the record and track number. Oh, how okay? cool is that? And so they would sell local advertising, give it a local flavor. So, uh, uh, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty cool idea, and there were several... There's several theories about why it didn't uh, ever actually happen. Uh, you know, there was, you know, well, anyway, that the main one that people settled on was Tommy Duncan left the group in 1948. Okay, yeah. Now, Tommy Duncan was the lead singer, and he was highly featured on these. And they, they're like, well, hey, this is going to promote Tommy Duncan, and we're just not going to do it. So they never hit the market. See, I wondered about that. Yeah. Because I think the I think the only version I ever heard was what you were talking about, the poorly dubbed, you know, right. bad quality thing. Well, they're out and they're super good quality. And uh, I just picked a, a short one because I, I was just entranced by it. Uh, entra- uh, in, yeah, that. Enthralled. That. And, I'm, I'm, I'm here to help. And, and here's the other, the last thing I want to say about this, and I know I'm, I'm dragging on, but uh, the members of the band said it was completely different than their other uh, recording sessions. Really? There was, there was no preparation. Everything was on the cu- off the cuff. They did the, the arrangements on the spot. And it was just totally loose. They tour all week, and then Mondays they were off, and they go into the studio. Yep. They said the biggest challenge was getting the bus up the hill to where the studio <laughs> was, right? But anyway, uh, this is a cool version of Honeysuckle Rose. And, and one thing I really like in it, and about halfway through, Tiny Moore uh, does a thing, and he does this chromatic thing and, and moves around, and it's just super cool. So let's give it a listen uh, from the Tiffany Transcriptions, Volume 7, Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys, Honeysuckle Rose.
a nice pickup. Isn't that fun? That really is. Yeah, that's some cool stuff. Really, you know, just uh, impromptu kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. Well, you know, that's a lot, a lot of those recording sessions were actually done. Yeah. They, they'd show up and sit around, you know, in two or three microphones, and away they go. Well, they're so rehearsed because yeah. they're playing every day. Yep. So, yeah. Okay, Leo, what do you got? You know how some sometimes you get into a thing where you just... You go. You get one thing leads you to another thing, and then another thing. Yeah. And there's some kind of you know direction to it. Yeah. Well, I had that happen to me this week, but there's absolutely no direction to it. More like a kind of like a rabbit hole. Maybe? I, I, no, I was more like a uh, like a ping pong ball. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I was all over the place. I, I'm going to do a. I want to feature a guy named Barton Lee Hazelwood. Lee Hazel. Oh, okay, okay. sure. And um, nationally, I'm going to feature a song uh, that was done by he and Nancy Sinatra. But it's kind of funny um, how they got together in the first place. That was kind of an engineered relationship. You know, Frank Sr. asked Lee Hazelwood to come help Nancy with her career because it was kind of like no not going anywhere. Yeah. Know? And uh, so he got on board and started writing music and stuff for her. And he was actually, quite a writer, wasn't he? He was a, quite a writer. He yeah. wrote a lot of stuff. I mean, um, and he's also got a, a, a local connection. He's, um, I think he was born in Oklahoma and spent a lot of time touring right around this part, you know, in, in Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, and all that. Uh, and he's been described as a cowboy psychedelia or saccharine underground sound. <laughs> So he's got a good publicist. Oh man, that's great. So then, uh, so okay. I remember when this song came out in 1968. It's called "Some Velvet Morning." Okay. And I remember sitting in front of the jukebox at the Silver Hut Cafe, listening to that thing, going, "That is a weird song." Yeah, I, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's just a weird song. I mean, for one thing, it changes time. It's a guy singing and a girl singing, and he sings in four four, and she sings in three quarter time, and it's called an answer thing. And there's a lot yeah. of verb on her voice and. And everything. So I've had years, decades to mature, and listening to it now, all I can say is that's one weird song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. I haven't weird. heard it for years. Oh. I'm anxious to hear it again. Well, there's some gal named Phaedra. He keeps talking about Phaedra, and uh, he said, "Well, he says it's not to be, you know, mean or anything. It's not like a drug song." He said, "Phaedra, there's only about seven lines about Phaedra in the song." He says. And uh, she had a sad middle, a sad end, and by the time she was 17, she was gone. She was, she was a sad-ass broad, the saddest of all Greek goddesses. So bless her heart, she deserves some notoriety, so I put her in a song. <laughs> <That's great. laughs> anyway, this is just a very strange song, and it's called Some Available Morning uh, from uh, Martin Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra. Some velvet morning when I'm straight I'm gonna open up your gate And maybe tell you about Phaedra And how she gave me life And how she made
Outro gives me vertigo, man. It does. Well, you know, you and I had sing a kind of novelty song like that that yeah, we got we from the Smothers Brothers. That's right. And it's tricky to do uh, time yeah. up now. But anyway, hey, look what time it is. I think we're about out of time for this segment. Time to take a break. Yeah, we need to go out and police the area. As and, usual, tomorrow is a moving day. That's right. So, so uh, Okay, well, uh, uh, we'll be back pretty quick. Uh, this is uh, the Americana Roadshow right here on Truckers, Truckers Radio, Radio USA. USA. That was uneventful. Yeah, that was good. For a change. I like uneventful. (laughs) Well, we're broadcasting this week from the Shady Grove uh, RV Park right here in... in where? Shady Shady Grove, Grove, Delaware. Delaware. Yeah, it's the coolest ever. Who knew? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Smell that salt air. (laughs) Uh, People ask us a lot of times, they say... Derriers, why is it that you uh, travel across the country and broadcast your shows from an RV? Well, it just uh, is kind of a necessity. Well, yeah, you know, our, our uh, compadres on uh, Truckers Radio USA, they yeah. have these things called ranches. ranches. Yeah. yeah, so they just mm-hmm. go to their ranch and they record their songs. And, uh, you know, for instance, Rex Allen Jr. has the Rock and Diamond R Ranch. Right. Uh, Alan Bailey, the Swing of Gate Ranch. Yes. Been there. Mm-hmm. Tennessee Jim, the Diamond W Ranch. Haven't been invited. Not yet. Orrin Friesen, the Rock and Banjo Ranch. Yep. And we've got this old RV. It's an RV. Yeah. And it suits our purposes. Okay, yeah. yeah. We yeah. ought to give it a name. We'll have to think about oh, that. Oh, that's an idea. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, you know, Leo, I think it's about my turn. You have that blank look on your face like, oh, it, a deer in the headlights. Yeah. Hey, let's start over. Hey, Roger. What? It's your turn. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a song by the uh, guy named Aubrey Wilson Mulliken. Uh-uh. He was known professionally as Moon Mulligan and nicknamed King of the Hillbilly Piano Players. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So um, he had a, he was once stated, we got to play music that'll make them goddamn beer bottles bounce on the table. (laughs) (laughs) That kind of guy. Well, that's my kind of guy. You bet. Well, and somebody asked him one time why he played the piano and he said, uh, because my beer kept sliding off the fiddle. (laughs) So this is the kind of guy we're talking about, right? When he was a young man, he had a choice either to be a preacher or a musician. How do you think that turned out? Well, uh, when he was 14 years old, he went into a cafe in a nearby town, sat at the piano, came out two hours later with $40 in tips. That was in like 1923. That's a lot. Yeah. And so that decision was made. Ding, 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 (laughs) ding, ding, ding. So anyway, um, it's interesting. He um, was, was delighted... In the, with the advent of rock and roll in the mid-50s, mm-hmm. uh, because both he and Bob Wills had often said that they'd been doing that all along since the 30s. Well, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. So there's something to that. And so, um, you know, he'd been doing stuff all along, but uh, in the mid-50s, backed by the hit-making Boyd Bennett and his Rockets, he recorded Seven Nights to Rock. However, he was too portly and bald for teenage record buyers. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had a bad image. Right. But uh, Jerry Lee Lewis acknowledged uh, him as a major influence, in particular his playing of the melody with just two fingers on his right hand. So um, he recorded for Coral Records and Star Day, but alcohol and too much jambalaya got the better of him. And um, here's a Kansas City connection. In 1962, 
Mulliken collapsed on stage in Kansas City. Wow. He then stopped drinking and returned to performing. And um, in uh, 19, New Year's Eve, 1966, after eating a huge meal, uh, he resolved to cut down on pork chops, but died suddenly the following day. <laughs> it's one pork chop too many. <laughs> too late to make that decision. So this song is not one of his best tunes, but it's clever, and I like clever tunes. And it's called, I Ain't No Beetle, But I Want to Hold Your Hand. <laughs> Nice takeoff. <laughs> nice takeoff by a middle-aged, portly, balding uh, guy. <laughs> I Wait. love that backstory, man. That's so cool. <laughs> Pork chop roulette is what that's Pork called chop right roulette. there. <laughs> yeah. Pork chop usually wins. Uh, oh, man. Okay, Leo, what are you going to follow that with? Okay. Uh, this is going to be a big turnaround here. Um, I want to do a, a, a song by a band called Vanilla Fudge. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you why they recently re-entered my uh, sphere here. Is I saw these guys live uh, just before all the clubs closed down, you know. Oh, wow. And we have a local uh, place in Kansas City um, uh, called Knuckleheads. Oh, sure. And I, I went up there to see, and these guys, man, they haven't lost a thing. Wow. They turned in a rocking show. 
but they're, you know, as a band, uh, they're predominantly known for their slow, extended, heavy rock arrangements of contemporary hit songs. Okay. All right. And the, the big one is You Keep Me Hanging On. Oh, sure. From 1968. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the thing is, the, the band has been described as one of the few American links between psychedelia and what soon became heavy metal, which we referred to a little while ago. Right. Uh, and they influenced a lot of other bands along the way, like Deep Purple, Yes, Styx, Led Zeppelin, Uriah Heep. Remember them? Sure. And uh, But it's funny because they said they were, uh, they, they were impressed by the swinging organ-heavy sound of the Rascals. Oh, wow, yeah. Of, of all people. But uh, they had a little unfortunate problem. Uh, their name. Okay. They called themselves the Electric Pigeons. <laughs> and, and, and then they, they later just shortened it to the Pigeons. Okay, that's much better. Oh, yeah. You know, but here's the thing. In 1967, the Pigeons got signed to Atlantic Records, but there was one drawback. However, Atlantic didn't want to sign a band called The Pigeons. Okay. <laughs> so, so he said he, they didn't like the name and told us we had to change it. And he said, we didn't mind. In fact, I had always thought The Pigeons was a, a weird thing to be called, but it just gone with it. We tried to think up a new name, but we were getting nowhere. Now, this is where it gets interesting. They were playing a gig at uh, Page Two Club on Long Island. And they ended up talking to, he says, I was talking to a chick named Dee Dee who worked there. She told us how her grandfather used to call her Vanilla Fudge. Oh, wow. And she looked at us and says, maybe you guys should call yourselves that. You're like white soul music. <laughs> uh, so anyway, anyway, that's a little backstory of Vanilla Fudge. But th- these get a great band. Let's give this a listen from 1968. You keep me hanging on.
<laughs> boy. Man, oh man, oh man. Yeah. Great sound. And really a great band. They did this as a, as a trio. I mean, wow. they were a power trio, man, but great music. Good uh, pick, Leo. Well, thank you. Uh, it's up to you now. Yeah, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, and, and remember our pal, Katie Joe. Katie Joe comes a lot. You know? she, she does. She has great tunes, and I try to use them judiciously because uh, I've got a few kind of tucked away. We're going to pull one of them out, a guy by the name of Tyler Childers. Okay. Okay, somebody I'd never heard of, but I am sure glad to know about him. Um, his breakthrough album, Purgatory, hit in August 2017. He was born in 1991, and he's from um, Paintsville, Kentucky. Uh, now, that you know, doesn't really mean a lot to me other than Chris Stapleton and Loretta Lynn uh, both hailed from nearby. There. Oh, really? Yeah, so he comes from kind of good yeah. roots. Um, and uh, he re- released an album in 2020. It was called Long Violent History. Uh, and, and he self-produced the album, and it consisted mainly of traditional fiddle tracks. He had just learned how to play fiddle, or I mean, he's quite good. Kind of featured in on that. And it closes with the title track, Long Violent History, which discusses racism, civil unrest, and police brutality. And uh, he released a video message to accompany the song in which he discussed his intention for the album in general, and he calling for empathy above all else. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, it's cool, you know, young people really getting involved. Yeah. And uh, also, um, uh, all the uh, profits from the album will be used to support underserved communities in the App- Appalachian wow. region. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, it's cool to see young people get involved uh, civically. Absolutely. Um, but uh, this song that I picked is, uh, it's kind of a one-off uh, that he did. Um, uh, it's a song that he wrote but he did it with the traveling McCorys. Okay. It's really sweet, uh, great bluegrass here. And uh, the song is called House Fire.
that's um that's that, good bluegrass that's, right there man that's good playing right yeah. there wow. nice stuff nice stuff thank you katie joe we're well, gonna we have know. to get her on her own show yeah well maybe we can hire her or maybe we'll do an interview maybe we'll do an hey there's an idea That'd be fun all right Okay, well, what do you got, Leo? Paul Frederick Simon. Yeah, Paul Simon. Paul Simon. He was born in October of 1941 in Newark, New Jersey. And uh, his parents, his, his heritage, Hungarian Jewish. And uh, he, he, his career began after meeting Art Gunkel, uh, Garfunkel when they were both 11 years old. Wow. I mean, that's how long ago that was. Wow. And there's quite a history about it. They, per, they performed in a production of Alice in Wonderland for their sixth grade graduation. <laughs> now, there's a start. And uh, they began singing together when they were 13, uh, occasionally performing at school dances. And, and their idols, and if you think about this, it makes sense. Uh, they were emulating the Everly Brothers in their okay. harmonies, you know. And yeah. If you listen to it, it, it makes sense. Uh, but also, uh, Paul Simon also developed an interest in jazz, folk, and blues, and especially in the music of Woody Guthrie and, and Lead Belly. So he had a pretty broad underpinning. Yeah. But you have to start somewhere. And you, I, I could, you could take a whole show just for talking about Paul Simon. But I, I had a, I was doing kind of a run through and trying to find the origins of songs. You know, okay. kind of backstory on songs. And and um, he had a Paul had a big hit in the summer of uh, 1972. Uh, with the song Mother and Child Reunion. Oh, sure. All right. And uh, it's, a, it's a kind of a reggae sa- sound, uh, and it's a meditation on death that came about from the loss of a family pet. <laughs> and he, okay. says, he, uh, he says, uh, he says uh, last summer we had a dog that was run over and killed, and we loved that dog. And uh, he said it was the first death I had ever experienced personally. Nobody in my family died that I felt that, but I felt this loss. You know, one minute here, the next gone. And then my first thought was, oh, man, you know, if that was somebody in my family. And then um, so the lyrics state, I can't for the life of me remember a Saturday. It's kind of a happy song. Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. not, it's not terribly morose. Uh, but the actual title, and this has been rumored for a long time, but it turns out to be true. Um, he says, I was eating at a Chinese restaurant downtown. Uh, I think it was even San Francisco. And he said there was a dish called Mother and Child Reunion. And it's chicken and eggs. <laughs> and he says, oh, man, I, I love that title. I got to use it. So here we, here we are from 1970. This is Paul Simon doing Mother and Child Reunion.
might be a bit macabre yeah but it's a great tune it's a great tune great groove hey that's probably a good way to go out on this set i think it is i think we're about out of time here so uh so we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back uh in the meantime we are the the derriers coming to you on truckers radio usa look out we're backing up that's what we do that's what we do yeah we back up back up yeah Hey, we'd like to use this part of the show to uh, suggest that people go to our websites. All of them. On all the internets. All the internets. And we're on all the Facebooks, too. A bunches of them. Uh, But we're at uh, thederrieres.com. And we also have a website uh, for our band at threetrailswest.com with the number three. Yeah. So uh, if you go there, uh, there's a lot of uh, content. Content. There's a lot of content. We're on that content. And you'll be contented contented if you go see it. Yes. And if you want to contact us. Oh, stop. You're killing me here. Yeah. See how I'm doing this? You're doing this. I see what you're doing. There are contact us tabs at both websites. uh, Or you can contact us directly through our fancy new email address. Exactly. Yours is Roger, no D, at thederrieres.com. And mine is Leo at thederrieres.com. Yeah. So, uh, hey, also at our uh, the Derriers website, you can download all of our past episodes of the show and listen to them at your leisure. And there's a bunch of them in there now. Yeah, well, uh, there'll be 29. 29, yeah. yeah. So that's a lot. This so, is number 30, as I recall. This number 30. And, uh-huh. and uh, as our good buddy uh, Mike Carr says... Go, Go nowhere without, without the derriers. Yeah. And having said that, yeah, we're, we're kicking into the third segment here. And I think I did that last segment with Paul Simon that took us yep. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you're up. Yeah, I've been wanting to get to this band for a long time. Little Feet. Oh, boy. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, now, a couple weeks ago, you featured Frank Zappa uh-huh. and the Mothers of Invention. Uh, there's a real tie-in here. So a guy named Lowell George met Bill Payne. When Lowell George was a member of Frank Zappa's group, oh, Mothers of Invention, okay, right? Yeah. And Payne had auditioned for the band but had not joined. So they formed Little Feet along with former Mothers bassist Roy Estrada and drummer Richie Hayward the, from George's previous band, which was uh-huh. The Factory. Oh, boy. Okay, all kinds of tie-ins, you know. Um, 
Hayward had also been a member of a group fraternity of man whose claim to fame was the inclusion of their Don't Bogart That Joint uh-huh. on the million-selling Easy Rider film soundtrack. Oh, that was a famous <laughs> one. Everybody knows that one. And, of course, they spelled... Uh, uh, well, the, the name of the band came from a comment by uh, the mother's drummer, Jimmy uh, Carl Black, about Lowell's little feet, little, feet. little tiny feet. But they changed the spelling to F-E-A-T uh, as an homage to the Beatles. Oh, there you go. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yep. So there's three stories about the genesis of the band. One has it that George showed Zappa his song, Willin', which is what we're going to listen to. And Zappa fired him from the mother's invention <laughs> because he felt that George was too talented to merely be a member of his band and told him he ought to go form his own band. Really? Oh, that's Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Now, I could see Zappa doing something like that. I could like see that. Zappa yeah. doing that, yeah. Second version was Zappa was firing for playing a 15-minute guitar solo with his amplifier off. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And the third version says that Zappa fired him because Willen contains drug references. And uh, George often introduced the song as a reason he was asked to leave the band. So uh, fun stuff there. But anyway, let's give it a listen. It's a great tune uh, from Little Feet, Willen. been warped by the rain, driven by the snow, I'm drunk and dirty, don't you know, and I'm still willing. And I was out on the road, late at night, I seen my pretty Alice in every headlight, Alice, Dallas, Alice. And I've been from Tucson to Tucumcari. the sleet had my head stoved in but I'm still on my feet and I'm still really smuggles and smokes and folks from Mexico baked by the sun every time I go to Mexico and I'm still and I've been from Tucson to Tucumcari
great version of the song. Yeah. 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 And that, yeah, a lot of people did that tune, but always nice to go back to the original. It is. Yeah. It's a very good tune. All right, Leo, back to you. I am going to feature uh, a jazz musician uh, named Billy Tipton. Okay. And Billy Tipton was born uh, December 29, 1914, uh, and was an American jazz musician, band leader, talent broker. I mean, for, you know, the, the, all over the place as a, as a musician. And it's uh, kind of interesting because um, uh, his uh, career started in the mid-1930s. And he had led a band for radio broadcasts, and he played in various dance bands in the 40s, recorded two tree albums for a small record label in the 1950s, and then toward the end of his career, uh, he worked uh, less as a musician and more as a broker and, you know, agent. Okay. Now, here's the interesting thing. Uh, Billy Tipton was born Dorothy Lucille Tipton. Oh, my. In Oklahoma City. And what happened was, as a, as a, a young person, became very interested in music, especially jazz. And wanted to play in the jazz bands, and it was living, it was being raised by uh, an aunt and uncle in Kansas City at the time. Okay. So he, she bound her breasts up and started going as a male. And after so she'd have access. So she'd have access yeah, to be able okay. to play. Now, from that point on, virtually no one knew. Uh, for the rest of his life, uh, he passed away uh, in, the, in his seventies, right? And until he died, his own family didn't even know wow. about this. But a brilliantly talented musician, and I'm going to feature uh, a tune from um, a, a, a tune that recorded with his uh, trio. He did a lot of trio work. In fact, he played with this trio down in Joplin uh, at the Cotton Club. And uh, he played all over the place. But anyway, let's just give it a listen here. And the name of this tune is September in the Rain. Thank you. 
music from a little trio heck yeah that's you know, great billy that's tipton great yeah, stuff quite a quite a history oh good pick leo okay it's your turn the dillards oh, of course the dillards all right it's a kind of a local band they're from salem missouri that's right and uh they were uh, already an established bluegrass band but they really kind of made their hit um when they started becoming um on the Andy Griffith Andy show, Griffith show yeah. as the Darlings. The Darlings. Right, yeah. Denver Pyle uh, was their father and, and jug player, Briscoe Darling. And then uh, Maggie Peterson played Charlene Darling. Charlene Darling, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, they those appearances ran between 63 and 66. And, um, and, and uh, anyway, Rodney Dillers says that a lot of their songs, like Dooley, uh-huh. which we used to do, right. Um, we're about people they knew, you yeah, know, like moonshiners and sure. stuff like that. So sure. it's kind of fun. But anyway, the Dillards are notable for being among the first bluegrass groups to have electrified their instruments in the mid-1960s. That's scandalous. I know. But you know what? You got to be heard, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, they're considered one of the pioneers of the burgeoning uh, Southern California folk rock, country rock, and progressive bluegrass genres, genres, and known to have directly or indirectly influenced people like the Eagles, the Birds, and Elton John. They, they're real pros, man. Yeah. I mean, we've so, seen them several times in our lifetime, and they're just a joy to watch. Yeah. So anyway, uh, fun, fun stuff. Uh, but I didn't pick Dooley. Uh, it's pretty well known. I want to listen to this tune because it's got a cool kind of a jazz feel, and it's called Brother John. bell tower stairs. Birds take to wing as the sound of the ring fills the air. Down along the hillside, warm by the sun, lazy cows are grazing down by the river so cold. The morning prayer chimer of life wakes the mission to know. Red's rising as millstones are grinding below Down along the hillside, warm by the sun The lazy cows are grazing down by the river so cold There once was a time when I made up my mind To leave all my troubles behind you didn't care that my life was as bare as the winter of grapes on the vine.
the evening seclusion I'm peaceful to know Chapel bells toll in the night where the good people go Wow. Isn't that great tune? In three quarter time, no less. Yeah, baby. You mentioned a, a similar song that we're familiar with. Yeah, Raspberry Jam, Carol King. Yeah, yeah. Used to, Total Strangers used to do that. Bet. Hey, we're out of time. Oh, look at the clock. Yeah. Well, it's um, time to wrap things up here. We yeah, get, uh, we got to figure out where we're going. Oh, shoot. Okay. Wait a minute. Uh, let's see. Let's you get it. the map this time. You I get, get the, the map. map. Yeah. Okay, hang on Back for a second. Back in the closet let's there. See. Who's behind hmm. it? Oh, it's, it's behind the coat. Yeah, behind the coat. Got it. Did you find it? Yep. yep. I got it. I got it. Okay. Uh, Your turn to throw the dart. Uh-huh. And the dart is in the spoon drawer. Spoon drawer. Okay. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Careful, careful, careful. Oh, okay. I got it. Okay, you got it. No more injuries. Okay, turn around three times. You ready? Uh huh. Okay. One, two, three. Throw the dart. Throw the dart. Oh, 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 Central, back to Central. Look wow, down. that's, that's kind of close to home oh, there. Cl- close to home? Man, Clinton, Missouri. Clinton, Missouri, that's just down the road. Yeah, that's real close to home. Maybe we can see our buddy Jim Bob. Maybe we should. Yeah. yeah. We can go do a little fishing. Well, I think that's about wraps us hey, up, isn't it? We've got to get up and out of here. All right. Well, uh, until next week, um, we are the, the Derriers right here on Truckers Radio USA with the Americana Roadshow. And remember, folks, look, look out behind, behind you. you. It's the Derriers. Derriers.